0: Again, my name's Ashley. Um, Typically, I hang out with all of your beautiful children downstairs, um, but I'm wearing a lot of different hats today. Um, So I am actually going to be bringing the word. I promise that your kids are being well taken care of and are having the most fun. I'm sure we'll hear them screaming in just a short amount of time, just from joy. They are learning that God knows them today, which is so beautiful. So ask them after service, what they learned, because they better say that. Um, so uh, let me just pray to settle my heart, if that's okay with you guys. Um, God, thank you for this morning, this beautiful, beautiful Sunday, God, and um, please just give me the words to speak. Um, Lord, this, this is your church. Lord, continue to build it up the way that you would have it, Father, that we may glorify your name. Jesus' name, amen. Um, today the overarching theme um, that we're talking about is unity. Um, and we're continuing in our sermon series Found, which is taking us through the book of Ephesians, um, which Paul wrote is it's a letter um, that he wrote while he was in prison to the church of Ephesus. And um, today we're in chapter four and we're talking about unity. And unity in the body of Christ is the label of the whole section. So, like, the verses we're talking through, the little title is Unity of the Body of Christ. I'm like, great, awesome, there better be some really good things in here. How did we do this? And there actually are. There are, like, step-by-step things of how to achieve unity in the body of Christ. Um, But sometimes it seems really, really difficult How, how it's so encompassing. The world is so big, how are we supposed to achieve this unity when it's sometimes hard to achieve unity in our own church, in our own friend group? Um, it's, it's difficult. Um, today we're going to talk about some of the things that we can personally do, that each one of us can do every day to help in unifying the church. Um, The global church. Just not. I'm not talking about the New West Seattle. I'm talking about the Kingdom of Christ. Um, So, the first step in how to how do I, Ashley Ryan Smith, help in partnering with unifying the church is walking in your calling. So I'm going to throw the scripture up on the screen, starting Ephesians chapter four, verse one. one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. So these right here, verses 1 through 7, that we just talked about, are basic instructions for walking in your calling. So David and I, my husband David, he and I just bought a new car, a year ago now or so it's really blue and I kind of don't like it because it's you can see is coming because it's so blue down the road and I kind of wanted to be an inconspicuous car driver um, but we have this new car and the first thing we did when we got in the car was we got in and, and we drove it um, and I assume that that's what most people do right Yeah. So you get in and you drive it, even though there is this really cool manual sitting inside the glove box um, that tells you how to make your car run more efficiently and how to, um, I don't know, what gas to put in it and things like that. That's important. Um, So, and we do the same thing all the time. You get a new computer. Do you read the manual for the computer or just start playing with it? You just start playing with it, same with a new phone i don't I just bust into that thing and just play figure it out on my own. Um, and the only time we come back to the manual um, is when something is going wrong, um, even though there's instructions on how to help it run in its highest efficiency and to make it the best that it can be at all the time. Um, but we 'll keep that instruction book handy just in case something does go wrong um, and This is Paul's basic instruction for living according to your calling. And he's talking about all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with another in love. And we need to look at it and not just keep it in the glove box of our car. We just need to continually refer to it. Um, But what is this calling that he's talking about? He says verbatim, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Um, and he's not talking about being a computer engineer or a marketing specialist or um, whatever your job may be, your profession. Um, but instead, he's calling you to the gospel itself, summoning people to believe in Lord Jesus as king. And give their lives to him and walk in a manner like Christ. So that calling, that which you're called, is the gospel. To live like Jesus. To walk like Jesus. Because King Jesus has conquered death itself, all who give him their faithful allegiance are assured that same victory as well. And this is the calling to which they must live up. The calling that we're called to is walking like Jesus. At every moment, in every decision, with every word in action, you're to be aware that the call to follow Jesus Messiah and give him your complete loyalty um, takes precedence over everything else. Um, and that leads you back again and again. If you're walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, ordering your life to look like him, it's calling you back to celebrate unity and to celebrate and to maintain that unity and to guard it. So let's look at some of the virtues that he lists as he's talking about how we're supposed to look like Jesus and walk in your calling. Um, so it said, um, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. <clears throat> okay, did you hear those? It's humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love, unity, peace. Um, those are the targets. Those are the things that we're shooting for, the things that we're trying to pursue as we're walking in our calling. Patience, humility, gentleness. Um, they're... Often not the things that we have by nature. If you are reading those lists and you're like, man, I actually have to work really hard at these things a lot of time. Patience, I have very little of that in my life. Humility, gentleness, uh, those are things that we're working at. We're constantly and persistently working at those. And those are the attributes in us that God will continue to ask us to use to unify the body of Christ, those things. Um, The only way, primarily the way that I've found um, any sort of traction with adding virtue into my life is through the people that God puts in my life. Um, I will give you some examples of things, people that have taught me these virtues. Um, My dad, Father's Day, Um, he had a major back injury three and a half years ago, has been on disability and living in constant pain for, yeah, almost four years now, um, is on medication, had to quit his job, can't drive, um, has to depend on my mom and my grandparents and my brother to do things that he was doing without a thought. And yet he remains faithful and yet he has patience to keep pushing forward even when it's, it hurts. Um, and I, I look at him and that's, that's where I learn these things. I watch him model them out for me day after day. I had a mentor in college, her name was Amy, um, she's awesome. Um, in college, I was just coming to know who Jesus was and um, in, in wholeness. Um, I was really, really working through a lot, and she showed up and I learned this virtue of um, bearing with one another in love, and I was not an easy person to love all the time and She showed up constantly, prayerfully um, for me and and I saw that. I watched it being modeled in her life um, and then have chosen to model that in my life. Now, those are where we're picking up virtues. Those are some of the ways that virtues are being added into our life through our friends, through our community, through our mentors. Um, let's look back at them again this week. Um, I challenge you to, to write some of them down. Humility. Humility. What are the ones that are sticking out to you that you're like, man, I really need to work on peace. I really need to work on bearing with people in love. Write that down. Um, think about it. Pray about it. Pray about people in your life who are displaying these virtues for you um, so you can look to them, ask them questions, see how they're living it out um, in their life, and listen to them. Um, how are you doing and growing in these areas, and how's God using these things to help unify the church through you? <clears throat> so, um, walking in your calling, we're walking like Jesus. And then, as we move forward through the Scripture, we we see that Paul says, um, "Use your gifts." Uh, and it's, this next section, as we throw it up in just a minute, is tempting to skip if you're not employed by a church, um, just because it's a lot of words that you're like, oh, they've got that covered on the staff at the church. I don't really need to be a part of this part. Um, but trust me, there is a lot to say here. So um, <clears throat> it goes up, it's uh, starting in verse 11. It says, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, You don't have to have one of those titles on your business card or your email signature to make that true about who you are. Um, The church's mission of equipping and maturity, it needs everybody. The global church needs every single person. This church needs every single person to, um, not just people who are paid by the church. Um, Your gifts need to be used. The giftings that Paul listed here are not exhaustive. There are, are of course, more gifts. Um, I see them every day and all of you. uh, There are so many gifts that God has bestowed. These are not exhaustive, but they are crucial. And they were crucial to the building of the early church um, as people were just hearing about Jesus for the first time. And they're also crucial today as we are building up the global and local church. Um, so let's look at each of those four terms and talk about how they could apply to your life. Um, whether you're at work, you're at school, you're raising kids, you name it. Um, use these categories for equipping. So the first one is apostle. Um, according to Peter, who was another disciple of Jesus, Um, an apostle needed to be someone who was associated with Christ and who had consistently sat under his teaching and who had witnessed firsthand his ministry and life. It wasn't enough to know Christ. The the apostle needed to know him personally. Um, In particular, he needed to know the power of Christ's resurrection. And that's what Peter said an apostle was. Um, in this time period, where Paul is talking to the Ephesians, an apostle was also known as someone who carried a message um, sometimes on behalf of a larger body, like a commission or a government um, and the term it 's used in a helpful way in a different verse in john thirteen sixteen um, and right before Jesus said this, he was washing the disciples feet um, so Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. So that messengers and that apostle, that's the same word. Um, Jesus is talking about emulating his example and following in his footsteps. The word messengers is the same word used for apostle in our text. Um, And Jesus is telling the disciples, look, you know who I am. And who I am defines who you are. Um, and I've asked, I've washed your feet. You're my messengers, and you should wash the feet and be willing to do the lowliest tasks. Um, because being a leader doesn't exempt you from service. It calls you to service. Um, are you an apostle at work? Are you an apostle at school? Um, at home? Are you bearing the message of Jesus? Are you carrying it around with you? Um, The message that he is immeasurably more, just like we talked about last week, immeasurably immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Helping people see the kingdom through justice, through mercy, um, in ways that make sense to who you are and who's around you. Uh, So apostles do more than just tell what the message is. They live what the message is. Um, So they pray for Jesus to become greater. Um, So this week, I challenge you to go and be an apostle. Go and live like Jesus did. Go and live like the message is in your heart and is bursting out. Um, The next gifting that Paul talks about is prophet. So apostle, prophet. Prophet. Um, a prophet is someone who by the gift of God can see a little bit of head is what we, we come to know a prophet as, um, prophets also are truth tellers, um, even when it's hard and people don't want to hear the truth, they are truth tellers. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, but, um, you can see prophets all throughout the Bible, all throughout the old and new Testament, um, they are, uh, the people of Israel, even back in Isaiah chapter 30, they were saying, please don't come and tell us the truth anymore. Please tell us things that are easier to hear. Because that is so much easier. We don't want to hear this truth, this hard stuff anymore. Because it's too hard. Um, so, But prophets stood true. They are truth tellers. They, um, and they also can look ahead. Um, Prophets help bridge the gap between the past and the present and the future. Um, The way we might apply this to work or to school or to parenting or to retirement um, is to do our best to listen to God And to pay attention when it seems like we may be thinking or seeing something down the road that others might not. So prophets don't just do a lot of speaking. They do a lot of listening as well. Um, Maybe your gift is to say, man, did you ever think of doing it this way? Uh, The church needs that strength to continue. Um, If you think you have this gift, talk to somebody wise Pray about it, continue listening, um, and be willing to do the hard work of bringing the vision that God gives you to a reality. <clears throat> the next one is evangelist, and uh, sometimes when you hear the word evangelist, it's kind of stigmatized today. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and um, it is somebody um, that is very Baptist, and knocking on my door, and giving me tracts, um, telling me about Jesus and how I can come to know him in a three-page workbook. Um, <clears throat> or in, in your mind, when you hear the word evangelist, you could be thinking of people yelling out Bible verses with the megaphones on the corner. Um, so the term evangelism is kind of stigmatized now, but um, it only comes up, a few times in the New Testament, and it refers to somebody that announcing, that's announcing something good. That's what it really means. At the end of the day, evangelism is somebody coming to announce something good. Um, the angels who announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, that was the work of evangelists. Philip, um, in Acts 21, uh, there's a guy named Philip. He is identified as as an evangelist. And in uh, Acts 8, he talks to this man from Ethiopia and tells him the good news and then starts an incredible movement of the church. Um, An evangelist might be the easiest term for us to relate to in the day of social media, brand advocacy, marketing, and all the tools that are a really big part of our economy. Um, Because if you love your product and you believe in your product, you talk about it a lot. Um, We see all of the ads all of the time on Facebook. Um, The example I thought of was uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah? Everybody see that movie? not too old, yet, yeah. uh, Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke. Um, they're singing the song Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They are so excited about it. It is the best word ever, and they are using it over and over again. Um, and they're telling everybody about it. They're even dancing with penguins about it. It's amazing. Um, there is joy in the way that they said it. Um, how can this be a skill in your job, at your house, in your work as you, that you develop and you continue to invite others to. Um, enthusiasm is contagious. It is, it's contagious. The things that you're excited about just overwhelms you. It comes bubbling out of you like joy. Um, and it's contagious. Um, it's a cornerstone of the gospel. The gospel brings grateful joy. So evangelists, we need you. We need you to keep building that sincere and wonderful joy which is going to draw people to the source of joy, which is Jesus. So keep it up this week. Keep telling the good news. Um, the next one, preacher and teacher, uh, pastor, teacher. Uh, the word here for pastor is also used as shepherd. And um, it's definitely use as shepherd when Jesus is on the scene. So, uh, Matthew 9 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. There's a lot of stuff that can go into being a pastor, but at the core, you're a shepherd. You care for the people that are entrusted to you, you show up, you help keep the flock following Jesus. This is so huge in the areas of management and of leadership. You can't be a good manager if you're cold and you're distant from the people that you're managing. Uh, you, it just doesn't work. Now, you don't have to be everybody's buddy that you're managing and pastoring and shepherding, but your people need to see that you're with them and that you're, you're for them. Uh, that you genuinely enjoy them. If you want to be a great manager and leader at school, home, work, love your people. Just love them. Be with them. Show up day after day, even when it's hard. Show up. Um, Be their shepherd. Are you identifying with any of these roles, this apostle, evangelist, prophet, pastor, shepherd? Uh, maybe several of them. Uh, if not, how could you take one of these principles and just try it out this week um, at work, at home? How could you take the spreading the good news, listening to God? How could you take these things? Um, think of some practical things that you can do this week to apply some of these gifts that Paul says are at the core of unifying the church. The people in a community grow when they're equipped to use their gifts. There's a diversity of gifts in this church. There are a lot of people with a lot of different giftings beyond what we talked about here. Um, But the same goal remains. Equip the saints. Help grow people in their faith. Um, And as you are helping people grow in their faith, the unity of the church is increased. By your act of using your gifts, day in and day out. Living out your gifts is a continuation of that point we talked about before, walking in your calling. Now, let's talk a little, I told you we were going to talk about this when we talked about prophets, but let's talk a little more about speaking the truth in love. Ah, as we continue in this um, chapter, it says, We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. So he starts this off by saying, don't be a child, grow up. And um, even translated back then, this was really jarring to people to see like, don't be a baby. Um, It made them stop and really think um, it was meant to hurt them when when it was written. Um, So they would remember it and it would challenge them. Um, truth spoken in love, spoken in love, always leads to greater wholeness and greater unity in Christ. That's the body man- metaphor that Paul's using here. Um, he's saying that just dropping truth bombs on others without love, it doesn't do any good if you just go around dropping truth bombs. Um, at that point, it's just judgment. Uh, I'm sure that the, a year ago when we were going through election season on Facebook, um, you saw people dropping truth bombs. I'm from Alabama. I see all spectrum of things on Facebook. Um, and there are people arguing and fighting and thinking what they think is the truth and articles showing up and all the crazy that happened. Um, but, and everybody's yelling at, at each other online. Um, not in person, and they're expecting these photos and these articles and the things to, that they're saying, their opinions on Facebook, to change the way that other people vote or think or make decisions. Um, but have you ever seen that happen? Have you ever seen someone come in and say, oh, you're right, I totally changed my mind. Um, I've never seen that happen. <laughs> if you, Screenshot it if you see it happen, because it is a miracle. Um, sometimes I think it's easy to think that speaking the truth can be really divisive um, because people have these strong opinions that well up in them. And, um, but when the, truth is, when the truth is wrapped in love, it's packaged in love and in relationship um, and trust and grace, uh, it unifies; it doesn't divide. Those things that it's wrapped in cause the church to be unified. Um, every can, so, can you think of a time in your life that someone you respected or loved, or who you knew loved you, um, spoke to you in a loving way, and it caused you to grow? I definitely can um i was a missionary in 2012 i don't know if a lot of you knew that about me i traveled around the world with a bunch of people under the age of 30 and um every single night i sat around a circle with him and we had to give feedback to each other every night this is what you did that hurt my feelings today man when you did this i could i think that you looked like jesus when you did this today. Every single night, we sat down in a circle and gave feedback to each other. But they were on my team. They loved me. They wanted to see the best in me. Um, so that year, I changed into this person because of the love and the truth that was spoken to me. And this truth, hard stuff, things that make you really hurt sometimes because it hits your pride and it hits your your wounds. Um, but it was spoken to me with such great love and such great respect, and those people showed up for me every day. Um, So I took it, and I became this different person at the end of doing this work. Um, I'm even seeing that today as I'm involved in small group and community here in West Seattle, people that are challenging each other, showing up for each other constantly, and speaking truth, even when it's hard. Um, Because you don't want to hurt your friends, but you're speaking truth. That's what is unifying the church. Um, It takes that context of relationship a lot of times to speak the truth in love. It takes a knowledge of the truth, but one where truth can be compassionately and winsomely wielded. And it it takes having the best goals in mind for the person you're hoping to share truth with in a loving way. The goals have to be pure. Um... It helps us grow in maturity. A very practical step that you could take in practicing this, this truth, speaking truth and love, um, is by getting plugged into a group, by showing up to somebody's house or a coffee shop or whatever and forming a relationship with people. Um, that It'll come with time, speaking truth to each other, growing that iron sharpening iron piece. And it happens over time and it unifies the church. Depth and authenticity is going to follow and it will be an everyday reality. Um, again, the people in a community grow when they're equipped to use their gifts and we need one another's insight and wisdom to be able to see those gifts and to see how God is calling us to use them. Um, So Paul is telling the church in Ephesus to strive towards unity. He's pointing out that one thing binds us and one thing unifies us. If you remember back in the very beginning, he said the word one like seven times. One father, one baptism, one son, all of this One thing is unifying us, and that's the gospel. And that's where we should be directing our life. So, I want to close with a quote from this book, um, and the band is going to come forward as I read this. Um, And it's a book by Bob Goff. Um, It's his new one. He has another one called Love Does. This one's called Everybody Always. And both of them are really practical stories and tips and um, illustrations of how to love people better. Um, And it's really engaging. I read it in like a day. It is so, so good. I promise if you get it, you will love it. If not, you can come talk to me about it. So, um, so this whole book is, again, practical applications on how we can love people like Jesus loved people. Um, and near the end, he talks a little bit about unity. And he says, the night before Jesus died, his prayer for us was that we would be one. And that's true. The night before Jesus died. That's his prayer for the churches, that we would be one. He knew what it was like to be one with his father. And he said he wanted that for us. It was a prayer for unity, not sameness. He knew the gospel wasn't a bunch of rules to obey. It was a person to follow and be one with. He wanted us to live into the beautiful, unique creations God made us to be. Simply put, we can be one without being each other. So this week, walk in your calling. Use your gifts and speak the truth and love to the people that you're walking with. Um, and through these things, the body of Christ will be unified. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this word, God, today. Lord, as we walk this week... Just help us draw these gifts out of us, God. Teach us to walk in our calling, Father. Um, Have the people around us declare our gifts to us, God. Give us the bravery and the courage and the love to speak truth um, in love, God. Thank you, God. We long to to partner with you and to follow you as you continue to unify the body of Christ. Amen.